Blog Talk Radio. Why don't you come on out to the Hey Girls Americana Radio Show, hosted by Song River and Carol Pacey of Carol Pacey and the Honey Shakers. All coming to you live on KWOD Independent Internet Radio, broadcasting from the Ice House Tavern in Phoenix, Arizona. All sound recorded and mixed by Vintage Note Records. Come on out, check out the show, and then visit the website at blogtalkradio.com backslash KWOD radio. We'll see y'all out there. Hey, guess what? We're live. <laughs> Barely. But, you know, uh, Skype is the way we're going to go here, and hoping that we're not going to have any particular issues tonight, And because I'm really excited to have the particular guest on. And definitely don't want to mess that up because, you know, Tom is, he's an all-around author. He's got lots of books out and he's really on the, you know, the pulse of what we want to read. From cyberbullying to zombies. So see the Z. He's got covered, he's covering it all. He's an author of five young adult novels called Party, Manic Picks a Dream Girl, You'll have to pixie dream girl. We'll have to make sure that I said that right. And zero. Hey, 2013. Yalsa best book was Random House, Sick, with Abrams, and most recently Random with uh, with Simon Pulse, which is uh, uh, a new imprint there. Uh, his next novel, Shackled, debuts in August 2015. Tom is a frequent speaker at schools and conferences where he. He brings his 22 years of theater background and book talks and writing classes. So we're excited to have Tom here. Is that you, Tom? I hope so. <laughs> That's in there frantically working with the, with the headphones, trying to get them to you know just work without anything else, and and got it very last second. Woo. Okay. <laughs> I understand. <laughs> Now, I'm going to check, make sure you're not hearing any echo, correct? I am not. Awesome. So definitely, uh, that's one step, big step forward then. Because <laughs> <laughs> we've had a couple nights where we were, uh, you know, last two shows where we have some problems there, and that's not good. So I definitely did not uh, want that sure. to happen to you. So I was on the phone with them trying to rectify the situation. So, because I didn't <laughs> want to ruin your show, because, you know, I, I really wanted to talk to you. Um, Great, thank you. <laughs> so, uh, not that I didn't want to talk to the other people, but you know, yeah, because <laughs> you you've got some interesting uh, characters. You got you know really good. Uh, you're getting into some different uh, subject matter that I'm seeing a little more of right now, which is a good thing. Mm-hmm. I think that your your fingers on the pulse of what, especially with the teen issues. So. Why don't we start by talking about the different books that you've got and go from there, okay? Sure. Um, so you want me to start uh, start with the very <laughs> we first? Go from, we can, we can go through? from eight. Yeah, we can go. Now, did I get Manic Pixie Dream Girl? Is that right? That is correct. Okay. <laughs> of course, that, <laughs> that's that was a totally, that's an interesting <laughs> one. Uh, you know, might as well start there since I, since I like piqued my attention. Sure. That uh, actually has a bit of a story behind it. Um, 
the uh, the phrase was actually coined uh, by uh, a reporter several years ago to sort of refer to a a trope sort of character um, often played by um, oh, who's the the girl from Five Hundred Days of Summer and things like that. Um, you know, anyway, she usually has like a like she plays a ukulele and she's kind of fun and flighty oh, and cool. crazy and nutty. You know that type of character. Um, that we often see in in romantic comedies, and it's and it's, it have seen especially the last few years in, in um, sort of a twenty something to thirty something romantic comedy. The book itself, though, however, takes that trope and turns it sort of upside down. It's, it follows um, a kid named Tyler who meets, uh, or rather, sees a girl that he instantly falls in love with his first day of high school, and then proceeds to immediately not talk to her because why on earth would you do that? Um, and uh, kind of admires her from afar for uh, quite a while, and um, because he is a writer, sort of builds a character about her and around her, um, and then becomes friends with her uh, later on in high school and discovers that this character he's built is maybe not uh, quite accurate and quite not quite true to life. And so the book really um, talks about the, the dangers of putting people on pedestals, number one, and I think is uh, very suited to anybody who's either had to walk a friend through a crush or has been has had one themselves, so kind of all of us. <laughs> Certainly not autobiographical. Not a word of it really happened, I swear, no matter what. I'm sticking to that story. <laughs> and you should. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so the the new newer one, I think, is true. The newer one is Random. Correct. And yes, random just came out in August. Wow. And that and, was and um, that one's it now. Random uh, Simon Simon Pulse is a kind of a new imprint. Is for is it for teens or is it? I, I've been hearing some things about it. Yes, Simon Pulse is the sort of one of one of if not the teen uh, imprint of uh, Simon and Schuster. That's correct. Mm-hmm. Awesome. So how how did that come to pass? Tell us about Random. Random was inspired, uh, not based on, but inspired by an, an unfortunately true story that took place, uh, I think, in 2010. There was um, a girl, I believe she was 15 at the time, who was being, uh, allegedly, I should say, was being bullied by some kids at her school for various things. She ended up taking her own life. And then the kids who were allegedly bullying her were then charged with a whole raft of, of crimes, major crimes, um, in her death. So they were basically saying, you bullied her to death. You caused her, her suicide, um, which is a notoriously difficult thing to prove in court. Uh, but this kind of became a landmark uh, media case because the, the question had been being raised um, over the last couple of years about cyberbullying, about people being pushed around online, whether it's Facebook or message boards or Twitter or whatever. Um, and we all kind of knew it was happening, but nobody knew the damage it was doing and, until stories like this started to appear. Um, so what I did, I, I, so I followed the story very closely, and the, the students were who were charged um, could have done up to about 10 years of prison if they'd been convicted. They ended up not being convicted of the major crimes. I don't believe any of them served any jail time. But what was fascinating was as soon as the story broke sort of nationally, these uh, alleged bullies were then, of course, in turn bullied. So there were um, <laughs> you know, people... Go, go so, around kind of thing. 
Yeah, it really was. And so they were, you know, they were having, you know, rocks thrown through their car windows and things like that. And and that just was, uh, I, I don't know what the word is. I, I'm going to say fascinating, although that doesn't quite do it uh, <laughs> justice. But um, I was in, I was intrigued by it. And I, I started wondering, you know, so what are, were these bad kids? Were these the, you know, really awful, terrible kids that they were made out to be? And if not, how does one become uh, a bully? How does one, you know, make that, that step from being a good kid to suddenly pushing around another kid? So Random follows the story of a girl named Tori, and it's the she and several of her newer friends in high school have been uh, charged in the recent suicide death of another student who happens to be a former friend of hers. Um, all of this was done online on a social network. And uh, the story begins the night before she's going to enter a plea, either guilty or not guilty. And that night she gets allegedly a random phone call from a guy she uh, she's never met as far as she knows. And he says, hey, I'm parked up on the top of this mountain. I'm looking over a cliff. I'm going to drive off the edge of it unless you give me a reason not to. So the entire book takes place over the course of about eight hours with her on the phone trying to, A, keep this guy alive, and B, figure out if he's for real or if it's some kind of prank or hoax or legal maneuver she doesn't know. And then the whole thing gets tied up um, into a, a much different bow than we would have expected. So it's it's got wow. a thriller aspect to it, but it really goes into the, the issue of cyberbullying. And um, one of the things that people, I hope, will realize as they read the book is that the protagonist, Tori, is also the villain. And that does not happen a lot in fiction, but that's a, that's a deliberate choice that I made. So um, kind of an interesting way to go about the story, I thought. I hope. Wow. wow. Sounds like that would make a really great movie. <laughs> <laughs> I'll I want you so. only hope, right? Yeah. Right. <laughs> and again, it's timely because you know the the cyberbullying and bullying in general are big hot topics right now. Um, yes, right. Especially in the right teen so. teen area. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, tell us, uh, you know, Shackled is coming soon. I mean, well, it's not soon, but I mean, it's August next year. But tell us about that one. Shackled is um, a little bit different for me also. It's definitely a thriller of sorts. Um, it revolves around a, a girl who has a very, very severe panic disorder, which is something I'm personally familiar with. And uh, she developed this disorder after um, she and a friend, when they were 10 years old, were at the mall together and that her best friend was kidnapped. Uh, so she hasn't seen this friend in five or six years. While she's working at a coffee shop, she thinks she sees her friend, kind of thrown up, and with this quote-unquote creepy guy, but she's so mm-hmm. overwhelmed by seeing her that she can't do anything, she can't really take any action, and they, they leave the coffee shop. She gets the license plate number. Um, the cops are really kind of disinterested. There's nothing really to prove what has happened, so she decides to um, use this moment to try and conquer her her fears and uh, track this guy down and hopefully get her friend back if that's, in fact, who it was. Wow. Well, it sounds like a really intense intense uh, book that you have coming up, and that is considered a team book as well? Yes, it is. Mm-hmm. Wow. So you, you definitely um, are definitely getting a niche here. <laughs> yes. <Just> that-, <laughs> that, was the first, uh, that was one of the first things that happened when my first novel, Party, came out, was I got sort of this quote-unquote edgy YA label. Um, and that's cool. I'll, I'll accept it, and it's not untrue. Um, so that's fine. <laughs> And now I know that you do some zombie books as well, so tell us about those. Sure. Uh, the first 
so, well, the first and only so far is a novel called Sick that came out, uh, I think, last year. And that the shorthand is it's a, um, a group of students trapped in their high school drama department during what amounts to a zombie apocalypse. That's the short version. Um, that's the plot, I would say. The uh, themes, however, go much deeper than that. Um, they're, it kind of looks at not only uh, students and, and teenagers, but also adults, how we try or how we tend to categorize people and pigeonhole people and put them in little boxes where we'd like to keep them. Um, and God forbid we ever get to know them because suddenly those, those ideas um, get shattered. So it really studies how we look at the other um, what does it mean to be the other, um, uh, and why why can't we just get along? <laughs> really, because <it's laughs> um, the the publisher called it the Breakfast Club meets Walking Dead, which is on the oh, one hand wow. awesome. Yeah, that's a great line, but it's also like <laughs> wow, that is a huge bar to set on both counts. So a little intimidating. Yeah. Um, but that was definitely the goal going forward. That's that's what I was aiming for. So I hope I've captured that. Um, I will also say, just in case there are any pure we're listening. The the zombies in the novel are not undead. They are sick. They are very human, uh, but very sick. And the sort of conceit is that instead of going after you know just your flesh and bones or your brains or anything, they are trying to self-medicate by attacking healthy immune systems. So bone marrow, oh, wow. uh, tonsils, things like that. So it's very gross. Lots of action, you know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yes, yeah. that's that's the first one. I don't know if there'll be more or not, but uh, I certainly had a lot of fun writing it. And so that one came out last year. Yes, I think okay. so. Let me double check. <laughs> when was that? October of 2013, yes. And that okay. is now available in paperback. Awesome. So did you start in some of these in ebook format and then go into print? Or, or did they pretty much come out at the same time? No, I went straight into uh, into traditional publishing. Went, you know, looked for an agent for a long time and got rejected and rejected all over the place as as per normal. Um, so all of my books have been published um, originally with uh, with the you know major publishers. They are all available as ebooks. However, um, I have not yet done any self pub, although that's probably in the mail. <laughs> yeah. Well. My understanding is is that it does take like six months just to even get into the system, and then and then another six months to get paid, to, you know, pittance, oh, sure. and then you know, it doesn't matter what who you're with. So uh, correct, it's matter of <laughs> uh, matter of distribution, not so much to your publisher. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, there there are advantages on both sides, definitely. Yeah, yeah, it's it's uh, it's a. It's a wicked business we're in. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> I was actually uh, just taking a class about um, on how to make a living on in writing fiction, and one of the things the instructor said was, "As soon as you decide to go freelance, you have you are no longer part of society." And I thought that was a great way to look at it. <laughs> has anybody has anybody suggested to you that you should you should do a nonfiction? No one has suggested it, but I I am definitely looking forward to doing that at some point. There's a couple of uh, nonfiction ideas that I have rolling around. Um, they're not priorities, but I hope someday force myself to um, create enough space and time to write them. Yeah. Well, the reason why is I found that with fiction authors, that if they want to get out there, I mean, you're already out there as you're speaking, so it doesn't really apply to you. But yeah, mm-hmm. uh, you would definitely get in front of like more the adult crowd. <laughs> Uh, yes. 
<laughs> if you if you had a nonfiction in front of your fiction. So just just That's to let true. you know. Yeah. And I, you and I, I and I can too. talk about that some other time. But that's that uh, just what I suggest him. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I think that's uh, I think you're absolutely right. Absolutely right. And you know, you 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 were lucky. You got into the system. Uh, in other words, you're yes. you're with the big publishers, and it's just a matter of uh, hanging on. Um, you know, one <laughs> yeah, one of these are gonna are gonna hit, and and more than likely, I would say it's either gonna be sick or random. And uh, would wind up getting you into, you know, um, into Nicholas Sparks' caliber, where he's got, <laughs> you know, every single book going to movie. <laughs> <laughs> well, Wouldn't that be you. nice? I certainly hope so. It sure would. I would be okay with that. I'd be totally okay with that. <laughs> now, are you a full-time writer now? Yes, I am. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And you do, um, yeah. so in other words, it's not so much that you're writing, but you're also going out in front of people. You're going out in front of the schools and talking. So yes. uh, that's part of your, that's part of your living right there. Yeah, it's, uh, I didn't realize um, when I started that that was kind of part of the gig, particularly for um, the, the middle grade and young adult um, writers um, until I started getting phone calls saying, hey, come to my school. And I was like, uh, okay, sure. And then as soon as I started doing it, because my background is in theater. I've got 22 years of theater background uh, as an actor and director, so it, it was very it was a very natural thing for me to do, to be up in front of the students and talking and teaching, um, and then discovered that was really, in many ways, my favorite part of the job. Uh, it's there's, uh, Not too long ago, I actually did a, a school visit, if you could call it that, for about 500 kids in, in an auditorium, and, and that was just great, you know, so I do those, and I do, you know, smaller classes where there's maybe 10 kids, and, um, but talking to them and working with them is really, I think, my favorite part of the whole job now. Yeah. Yeah, especially when they connect to the ideas that you're, that you're bringing yeah. in front of them, so that's, yeah, uh, I've got other authors who go out now, and, that, and uh, one who actually teaches in a school, so uh, a lot of his books have been obviously uh, loved, and of course he, he's may even make games out of them, you know, uh, role-playing games. So, right. yeah, that's <laughs> he's got his own convention now. So, <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah, I would like to. Um, on on my off time, I'm working on a board game for sick that I hope to put out someday myself, just because that would be lots of fun. Yes, the merchandising. Mm. Way to go! Way to go! Yeah, they don't. They do not teach you that at writer school. <laughs> no, they don't. No, they don't. It's uh, uh, pretty much what I what I teach others is, is, is yeah, you got to look outside uh, just the book. It's, it's not enough just to have the book anymore. You've got to have other things that you can, uh, residual income. <laughs> uh, yes, yeah. cash gains, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So tell us how you got involved. How did you start writing? Well, I, I wrote my first story in second grade, um, I think on that sort of dark colored paper with the, the blue lines on it. You remember that? So we had an assignment to do that in second grade, and I did it. And uh, my teacher called me up the next day, and I thought I was in trouble for something or other, which is not unusual. Um, and she <laughs> told me to rewrite it, make it a little bit longer, and then come in tomorrow and read it to the first graders, which... I thought was still I was being punished for something. I had no idea what I'd done wrong, so I did it because she scared me. And uh, I read the story to the first graders the next day, and st- 
standing up in front of them. They were just—I mean—they were just couldn't wait to hear the next word that was coming. They were all dialed in, and even at that age, I was like, "This is what I want to do for the rest of my life. I want to be up in front of people and I want to tell stories." So, wow! I never, yeah, second grade. You're already—you're <laughs> already corrupted. She she corrupted yep. you. <laughs> right, I know. So I never really stopped writing. Um, from that point forward, I wrote a lot of fiction. Uh, I wrote probably my, I guess you'd call it a novel in eighth grade. It was maybe 25,000 words or so, more of, I guess, a novella. Um, but I was encouraged and supported yeah. in that, which was great. Um, and then kept writing up through high school and into college. Um, but by the time I got into high school is when I discovered theater, and I got really heavily involved in that. So I didn't really take the writing of fiction seriously in the sense that, oh, I'm going to make a living at this someday, or I'm going to even publish necessarily someday. It was just something I liked doing, so I did it, and it wasn't until I landed in a really, really awful job, which we've all had, that um, yeah. I started thinking about it. And, and at the time, it wasn't even a matter of career. It was a matter of, you know, what do I want to do before I leave this mortal coil? You know what? I want to go to the bookstore and see what am I, see a book that I wrote on a bookshelf. That's it. I just want that. I'll be happy. So that was really the only goal. I wasn't expecting, you know, money, career, anything to come out of it. Um, it just sort of happened that way. Um, but, uh, yeah, so I've been writing my whole life. I just didn't really dive into the world of publishing until probably 2006, 2007. And then I've been doing it full-time since about 2009 or 2010. Wow. Yeah, so so you would be in, in, uh, in this particular industry, you would be a grandfather. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's true. I know. <laughs> writing that long and, and, and you know, of course, that gave you time to actually, you know, really learn the craft and learn what your voice is. Yeah, um, definitely. And that's that's where you get your characters from. Yeah. So tell, oh, yeah. Tell, tell us when you when you get started on a story, is it kind of like like the ones you already talked about, where it, it came from something that you had read or something that's going on, and then you cultivated it from there. Yeah, the I mean the the stories come from all over the place, of course, but the the characters definitely are rooted. I mean, obviously they're they're always rooted in me in one way or another, um, both the good and the bad, you know. But um, one of the one of the great advantages I had uh, going through high school is my dad had uh, bought me a video camera when I was in uh, I think tenth grade, so sophomore year. Um, and when I say video camera, I mean one of these huge, you know, microwave-sized VHS-type cameras. Um, and we hauled that thing everywhere with us for, my friends and I hauled it with us uh, for four or five years, and as a result, I ended up with about 100 of these VHS tapes that's just me and my friends kind of being me and my friends. Um, and the thing I've discovered and going back to see them every once in a while is that the stuff that we're talking about, I mean, we look terrible, first of all. We dressed just awfully, um, <laughs> which is just a, something to be aware of. But um, one of the things I've noticed about the, about these moments on tape is that we're talking about the exact same things as the students I talk to today, um, despite all the years of difference and all the, the changes in the technology and, and so on and so forth and how much the world has changed. The reality is the things that they are worried about are the exact same things my friends and I were worried about. Those things haven't changed. There's a, a consistency to the adolescent experience in the United mm. States for the last, I don't know, 50 to 60 years or more. Um, 
it's kind of universal. So those are the, the characters and the things that I try to write to and try to be authentic about. But they're more, contem- so they're more contemporary. So they're definitely things that are going on now. Yeah, I mean, there are things, you know, there there are different ways in which they are trying to deal with, with the world around them, and there are different um, means by which uh, things are being done to them. You know, my, my friends and I didn't have the Internet or cell phones or anything like that. That was, we were just a couple years behind that happening. Uh, right. So those things have changed. But what students and adolescents today are, are worried about are essentially unchanged. You know, the the delivery system might be Facebook or something else. But the question is still, does anybody like me? Um, will she go to prom with me? Does anybody care? Am I all by myself? But it, it's the same questions over and over again. Wow. Yeah, that brought bad memories. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's how uh, we seem to be in one trash can or another. So. <laughs> well, it's, it's funny. And now they, now they call it bullying. Back then, they, 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 they said, well, you know, your friends will like you. <laughs> Right, yeah, I know, right? It's 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 different. I, I've discovered recently, um, I started studying um, family and human development, and one of the things, kind of focusing on adolescence a little bit in my in my studies, and um, one of the things I, I learned was, and, and this will scare everybody to death, um, for some evolutionary purpose, uh, our our memories get really really cemented in those adolescent years. So the stuff that happens, it, it gets logged and it stays in there. And I guarantee you and me and everybody who ever listens to this knows whether or not they went to prom and they know who they went with or didn't go with. They absolutely know it. They might not know what they had for lunch yesterday, but they know no. who they went to prom with. There's something yeah. about the brain. It's just adolescence. It locks all those memories in there and it's hard to shake. Um, some people are still dealing with what happened to them in high school, you know, um, so there's a there's a lot of stuff to mine there. Wow, and you're absolutely right. You know, uh, we know why, who we went out with, and why, and what circumstance, and how he asked you. <laughs> yep, absolutely. <laughs> so this very or good. how she asked you is you know uh, Sadie Hawkins. Yep. And <laughs> <laughs> so. Uh, Got you started with the writing. How how's your family work with you on this? Um, that is a huge, huge benefit, and I can't emphasize that enough to people who are, are still in the trenches trying to break out, whether it's uh, themselves or through traditional publication. Um, I My wife is extremely supportive. She was also a theater kid growing up, so we kind of had that going um, going in. Um, we also run a theater company here in Phoenix, together for about three years, so we were kind of already on the same wavelength in terms of, you know, time commitment and creativity, um, but having having an immediate family, the people who you are immediately sort of beholden to, uh, mm-hmm. being on board is absolutely priceless. I, I, I can't see how anybody does it without that kind of support. Um, and for the people who maybe don't have it right now, whether they're, you know, 15 or 55, doesn't matter. Um, if writing is something that, you know, really makes you who you are, then you need to have a serious talk with those people and, and have a sit down and be like, you know what, I, I need time to do this. Maybe that's only two hours every Tuesday, but whatever it is, um, we, we deserve, we deserve that time. We deserve the time to do it. I'm lucky. I've got a supportive family and I get to do this full time. That's great for me. For other people, you know, maybe it's, 
one hour on Saturday and one hour on Monday. I don't know, but um, I would I definitely encourage people to seriously protect um, protect their time to do this. Oh, definitely. Or do you have a specific place that you'd like to write in, uh, like a room um, or your restaurant or what's your favorite hangout a, or writing? Yeah. I have a couple of places. I, I have my own office at home, which is where I do most of my work. Um, but there's also a couple of uh, independent coffee shops that I like to go to. And sometimes I'll even find myself at Starbucks. I know it's terrible, but can't help it. Um, because it's uh, <laughs> getting getting out of the house and seeing different people and listening to different things, smelling different things. These are all, I think, important to the process. Um, so I do make it a point to get out of the office to do a lot of my, or especially original writing. I won't go somewhere else to do editing and revision. So that's a different part of the brain, I think. But to create yeah, yeah. brand new, yeah, brand new stuff, I almost always write somewhere outside the house, almost anywhere, library or wherever. That's great. That's great. And it, it's yeah, I, I sometimes find restaurants to be, you know, even though they're even though they're busy. Um, Still, sometimes it's the busyness around you, uh, especially when you're editing, kind of keeps you centered. Yeah, mm-hmm. just the right amount of noise. Yeah, it's a big help. <laughs> well, say, see, we have some things in common. That's, that's <laughs> great. Of course. <laughs> uh, so I know that you were uh, you were doing a signing over at Barnes and Noble. Uh, for Zombie yes. Day. Yeah. Um, so you do a lot of book signings in the area, and how do you think about, you know, I have a lot of authors who ask me, do you, do should they really actually do book signings, which, of course, I think is silly to even ask the question, but, um, you, know, <laughs> you know, who better to ask than other authors who are actually doing it? Right. Um, that is a good question, and I think uh, it depends. Um Something like that particular uh, that particular event over at Barnes Noble was was a, a themed day, so it was a whole zombie day with me and several other authors and um, other people doing zombie related things, and, and so it was kind of a, it was definitely an event and it was a store wide event, and so that made a lot of sense to do. It was also the second time I'd done it. Um, the uh, the folks who run it are just delightful people, really great people to hang out with for the day anyway. So regardless of, of sales or contacts made or anything, it was just it was just fun to do. Um, having said that, I have also been at some stores where you just sit behind a table for a couple hours and people walk by and, and that's it. That's really all you know that happens. Um, because most authors aren't salespeople. We wouldn't go to our little caves and write novels all day if we were marketing people. We would be out there you know, doing other stuff and probably making money. Uh, but we, <laughs> we like to stay, you know, in our cave yeah. and write our, write our stories. Uh, so I'm learning a lot more about how to do that, how to be at a convention or a sign or something and stop people and get them interested and maybe make a sale or two. Um, I think they are beneficial and useful. I think it's also, at this point, almost kind of, I mean, it's kind of part of your hazing. You kind of, you kind of have to get out there and experience it, you know, what it's like to um, have a, you know, stack of 80 books and nobody's buying them, man, and you just got to keep that smile and keep on, keep on, keep it on. Yeah, um, yeah. But, uh, I, I, but I'm also, it's it's funny, um, on that same topic, I, uh, I am not a fan of readings. Um, I mean, I am a, oh, a right. trained actor. Yeah. I mean, I, I did five sessions of actor training at the Utah Shakespeare Festival, and I've been acting since I was, I don't know, 12 or 13 years old. So if anybody 
should be doing it, it's probably me, and I still don't do them because they're so hard to do well, uh, much less an author who has zero uh, experience um, public speaking or acting or anything like that. It's kind of like, ah, I don't know why they're expected, and I don't know why um, the bookstores or the audience or whoever kind of puts up with them. Like, well, I'd rather talk about the book. I want to hear from the author. I want to know what makes the author tick. I might have a writing question. I might have a char- uh, question about the characters or the plot or something. So for me, as a reader and as someone who goes to signings, that's my favorite part is the Q&A because I always oh, have sure. a question. And I would Absolutely. encourage other, yeah, uh, I always which encourage is, writers to go to those. Which is one reason why i def- definitely a big advocate on conventions, because, you know, you can get in on panels. Uh, yeah. You, you're almost assured to have some kind of sale that weekend if you're in a panel, because it, people are, are, it's an investment. They're investing time with you. And so I, that way, yeah. Yeah. yeah you almost always get sale that way. <laughs> Yeah, every, I, I'm still trying to figure out how to get my publishers to understand that. It's like if you give me a half hour in front of a group of people and I will sell books, but just sitting behind a table hoping someone will come up is not going to happen. I've never seen it happen. But if I yeah. can talk to them a yeah. bit, then I will sell books. You know, but it's it's a tough thing, tough thing to crack. But yeah, I, I totally agree. Conventions and and uh, uh, all those kinds of things are definitely, I think, worth the investment and in getting on panels. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, I think the problem is, and, and you know, I've talked about this quite a bit, but the big publishers, the big six, are really set in their ways. Um, <laughs> and yeah, it's like a huge dinosaur; you just can't seem to move them. And mm. they, they're very slow in in understanding the changes in the industry, uh, even though they're very much a part of it. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> they're still not they're well. still not grasping that it's changed. I understand, and, and that's all I'm going to say. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, you can't. So, yeah, sorry about that. I put you in an awkward situation. I can say it. <laughs> yep, feel free. Feel free. <laughs> <laughs> they, can, they can you have to try to shoot me all they want, but it doesn't do any good. <laughs> I had a media behind me. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> So yeah, I'm just you know I said your your books were definitely timely and 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 uh, of course our good friend T M Williams definitely said oh you got to talk to this guy, and I said well, yeah let's get him on the radio because you know he's got some really cool books and I want to talk to him about it so that's why you're here. Right, exactly, exactly. Case in point. <laughs> there's there's well, so much what... networking that goes on into it that that again. Nobody tells you. Like there, there's no yeah, writer yeah. 101 class that the publishers give you. I wish they would, because um, you just don't know. You have no idea what's out there. So I'm just now yeah. starting to get a slight grasp, and I'm on book number six. You know, so I'm hoping that's something that will be even better. That is kind of strange, because maybe it's because they don't want you guys to know there's trade secret, because. <laughs> You know, agents are networking with with publishers, and that's how they do business. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. So you know, <laughs> so he's like, "Well, oh, yeah, of course." And networking would would work for anybody, really. And yeah. you get to know get to know your fellow authors, and of course, honestly, we're all in this together. Uh, yes. Yes. <laughs> and. Uh, and I've I've met particularly here in the Phoenix metro area. We have a full hassle of young adult and middle grade writers. I have no idea why. 
but we've got a huge group of, of uh, very successful YA and middle grade authors here, and they're all awesome, awesome people. Um, again, not something that I knew when I started this whole thing, um, but I've made a lot of really great friends uh, that way, and um, they, I, I hope I hope everybody can find them. I hope everybody, um, you know, can find their their group, and we are definitely in it together. Um, people have asked me, you know, who are not really, and you can always tell who's a reader and who's not by the questions they ask. Um, so there's mm-hmm. the, the group of people who are not readers at all, but they're aware of, you know, Twilight and Harry Potter. Like, that's, as far as they know, that's the only books. So those two and then Stephen King. Like, that's the only authors on the planet. Oh, uh, yeah. That's right. Yeah. And so they'll ask things like, well, yeah, but why don't you just write a vampire book or, you know, whatever. And it's like, you know, here's oh, the thing. Yeah. Whatever, whatever snide remarks we may have about people who have broken through into these multi-million dollar sales, um, and we do. We make our snide remarks, and that's okay. And the reason it's okay is because without them, we're we're not here. Like every yeah. time somebody makes that break, it's like, cool. My editor now has a bunch of money to buy my books. Totally good. So yes, we are definitely all in it together. Every single one of us, top to bottom. <laughs> yeah, I've heard that too uh, about the vampire thing. Once <laughs> you just write a vampire book, it was because that's not what yeah. I write. That's just the beginning. You really want me to get? Do you really want me to get all rolling here? Because I really tell you what I think. And it's like, oh no, no it's okay, it's okay. <laughs> yeah, just, just buy the book and leave me alone, okay? That's all I ask. You don't even got to read. Yeah. It. Just buy a copy. You know, okay? if you buy my book, I won't tell you why I wrote my vampire books, okay? And it's like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. That's my my favorite question is how's the writing going? It's like I don't know. Did you read the last one? Well, uh, all right, we'll start there. Buy the book and then we'll talk. You know, <laughs> I've never yeah. said that to anybody. I always want to. <laughs> yeah, you have to kind of you know judge whether or not they're they have these sense of humor, which is yeah. it's kind of hard to do. <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> so I, you know, um, there's something you want to specifically talk about when it comes to your subject matter because it is kind of touchy. So it's, you know, some of those kind of touchy situations. Have you ever found that somebody's actually opened up to you, kind of like the random? Um, yeah, uh, actually, the, and this happened very, very early on when the first book came out. Um, I, I And I did not expect this, did not see it coming, but I almost, virtually, yeah, I think every time I would go to a school, whether it was a writing class or a book talk or whatever, there would be a small group of three to five people who would come up afterwards and and start telling me stuff that was happening with them. And, and I it was breathtaking. Like, I didn't realize um, how some of our kids are being treated at home or at school or both. Um, and it's, it, it's kind of a crusade now. I'm, I'm really, um, the, the more I write and the more I get to talk to students about what's happening with them, um, mm-hmm. the more angry I get at what's happening to them. This, this, this sort of this systemic abandonment that has happened in our country um, where there's literally kids who are otherwise affluent or otherwise, you know, perfectly cared for. Um, they're not battling a drug addiction or anything like that. It's just that they're in school all day and then going home wondering if anyone's going to be there or what condition mom's going to be in or if I'll see mm-hmm. dad this month, you know, just things like that. Um, they're devastating, absolutely devastating. Speaking uh, so of which, of did you hear the story last night about the kid in the in the chimney? 
No. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Searching year old came home. Couldn't he didn't have the key, his parents were home. Uh he thought, Well, you know, Santa Claus just down this chimney, so I can too. Oh no. Oh Yeah. Got stuck. Thank goodness he was skinny enough that he actually could still get to his cell phone and call nine one one. Ten o'clock at night, they still didn't know where his parents were. Oh, good. No. That's phenomenal. Yeah, not surprising, uh, unfortunately. And it's not its yeah. not all of them. I recognize that it's not all of them. But, um, I mean, I've, I've, I've been at schools, like, waiting to, to go on and overheard conversations between students and between students and teachers. And, you know, there was one school I was at where they, they kind of did this informal sort of survey kind of under the table and discovered that if they built, this is a public high school, if they built a dormitory on campus, they could fill it with kids who would rather live there than go home. You know, and it's like, yeah. what is happening behind those doors that, that this is the alternative? Like, I'd rather be at school 24-7 than go home, yeah. you know? And, and again, it's not all of them. It's it's probably not as big a problem as, as it is in my head, but the fact that it happens at all just drives me insane. So if anything... <laughs> In any of my books, helps a kid get through that period. Then I'm I'm all for it. Oh, yeah, and that's that's a surprising thing because you know I have a 20 year old son now, so uh, he's my one and only. So you know, that's I made sacrifices, you know, uh, because yeah, to me that's what you do when you have kids. Yeah, you do. You really do. <laughs> Um, I've got a three-year-old, and you know life changes, and that's okay. And we're gonna do the work because that's that's what you do. Exactly. That's my kid. What you do. You know? Exactly. So yeah, drives me crazy. Drives me crazy, and I, I, it is, it is a part of my career I never would have anticipated. You know, five years ago, had no idea. Well, you know that's that's terrific because it it gives you even more deeply, un, un, you know, to understand what you're writing because you're passionate about it. Absolutely. Yeah. 100%. That's 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 what you gotta do. So you know yep. you're doing the right you know you're doing the right thing when when you're passionate enough about it and 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 it's making a little bit of money. <laughs> yes. <So, laughs> Just enough. <laughs> that always helps. <laughs> yeah. Doesn't doesn't hurt, that's for sure. <laughs> Definitely not. What what you have coming up start I know you have the book coming out, but what are you working on right now? Oh my goodness! Well, I've got a book on submission, so I can't really talk about that one because I haven't sold it yet. But I, I hope and believe we will. That will be very exciting, and I can't wait to tell the world about it. But can't do it right now. So, um, <laughs> what's coming up? I know. Uh, you're, you're such a tease. <laughs> I know, right? It's terrible. Um, in January, I don't remember the exact date, but in January there should be an event called Yalapalooza at Changing Hands Bookstore Tempe, most likely. Uh, yeah. Um, and that'll be a huge group of YA and middle grade authors who will be playing games and having pizza and talking about books and just having a good time. That's been an annual event with Changing Hands that is just a lot of fun. So that's coming up. Um, I'm trying to think what else have I got on schedule. Nothing. Looks like December's pretty quiet, um, but things will start picking up again. Uh, after the first of the year, um, I cannot recommend strongly enough going to Phoenix Comic Con in May. That's one of my uh, big destinations for the year, every year. Um, I do a lot of classes and panels there um, and always, always, always have a great time. So I, I highly recommend that uh, people go check that out. 
Um, so, yeah, I try to keep things updated on my website or on my Facebook, and um, I'm always looking for another place to teach a good writing class or talk about books. Wow. There you go. Anybody's listening, definitely get a hold of Tom if you, if you guys, you know, if you're a, I know a few. Um, That's right. You know, teachers who could definitely, you know, have him come on in and, and talk to, you know, your students. So, uh, Absolutely. You know, tell us how to get a hold of you. Best way to get a hold of me is to either visit the website, which is just TomLevine.com. As long as it's spelled right, you'll be fine. Or if you can just Google me again, uh, the last name is L-E-V-E-E-N. Uh, if you get that right, you'll find me. I'm all over the place. Um, usually um, you do email Tom at TomLevine.com, which is also on the website, or uh, my Facebook page, or Twitter, which is at TomLevine. Um, and I'm always on all three of those. So that's probably the best way to get in touch with me. Awesome. As you, there you guys go. You know how to get a hold of them. And I'm going to ask you a question that I always ask, you know, especially fiction authors, uh, at the end of my show. <laughs> and so are you ready? I'm ready. Bring it. <laughs> you have successfully slain the dragon. How will you celebrate? I'm probably going to take my wife to this little restaurant uh, not far from our house called Kitchen 56, which is awesome and delicious. And then we're going to go to Sugar Bowl in downtown Scottsdale and eat lots of ice cream. Um, so that's kind of our favorite thing. <laughs> maybe we'll be next time. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> maybe he helped you slay the dragon, so there you go. <laughs> he would be very good at that. He's uh, very knowledgeable about dragons, as a matter of fact. <laughs> and with that I'm going to say goodnight and um, you, you do, I'm sure you probably had dinner and I, I know I had dinner to, to eat so and, <laughs> hey this, this is a this is a gift that keeps on giving in that that uh, it goes into archive mode in about an hour and people can listen to it for as long as I am actually up on on blog talk and that has been, already been a couple of years so Great. Right, people who, who who listen and they uh, you know, um, all 78,000 of them, that's 79,000. So they they go back and they they listen to all, everything from uh, all the way back. So uh, it's, again, it's a gift that keeps on giving because it's always up there. So awesome. you, can, you can use the same information you did from the show and put it up on your website and it will just, you know, keep running through and people will find out more about you from this interview. Perfect. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. <laughs> That's okay. That's what I do. I have fun talking to you guys. <laughs> All good. <laughs> All good. Thanks so much for coming on, and, and I really enjoy talking to you. And, then, uh, you know, I know I'll see you around. Yes, definitely. <laughs> I go to Comic-Con, so there you go. Oh, cool. I'll see you there. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much, Tom. Okay, take care. Have a good night. You too. Bye-bye. That was Tom Levine. And, again, you guys can, can definitely hit him up and find out if he can come and speak to your school. And what else do we have coming up? Hoping as now we don't have the clicking. So at least I don't hear any clicking. I didn't have, hear any echoing this tonight, so that's good news. But I didn't hear any before. Apparently he didn't hear any now. So... 
Um, hopefully we took care of that. Now, I'm going to say this Saturday we have, obviously, the holiday author event, which is going to be at the Press Room in Phoenix, right downtown off of Jackson. And that'll be from 10, a.m. 10 in the morning until 4 in the afternoon, so please come on out. There will be some 50 or more authors out there. Uh, that's more more authors than you can possibly spit out. So uh, definitely, you come on out and see all the awesome books. And you know we we're passionate about these books. So come on out and and just talk to us, please. <laughs> so with that, and then we got uh, next Tuesday. Uh, I'm sorry, Sunday we got the next space show. Of course, that's always on Sunday night at 7 p.m. And right here at the same Bat Channel. And the next Tuesday, we have another special show with Grier Cooper, ballerina and author. Uh, 5.30, again, same time during the week, 5.30 p.m. on this Tuesday, December 9th. And, again, um, then we'll have uh, May 2nd, Friday, on the 12th, we'll be out there. Uh, Phoenix Fan Fest is going to be that, that weekend. Uh, we the Wild Media will be out there, but I probably will not get out to Glendale as I am going to be at the Central Library Marketing Class and Signing for T.M. Williams, a good friend of mine, and that will be December uh, 13th on Saturday. More information, definitely you know, hit us up. And we got that up on the information. Just click off. And... Again, on the 14th, uh, the next page show. And then on the 17th and Wednesday, as our regular Hey Girls Americana show, it's not going to be the third Thursday of the month this time because actually it's third Thursday. But uh, it's usually the fourth Thursday and, or no, I'm sorry, it was Thursday, fourth Wednesday of the month. But um, because of the holiday, we bumped it up to December, 9th, uh, December 17th, 8 to 10. And that is at the Time Out Lounge in Mesa. I'm sorry, Mesa. <laughs> Time Out Lounge in Tempe off a of mill. So uh, then that's 8 to 10. And then on Thursday the 18th, we have our Creative Culture Third Thursday. And that's at Queen's Pizzeria downtown Mesa. So it starts at 6.30. Uh, 6.30 to 8.30, we'll be doing, uh, we'll be just talking about some things, all of our creative efforts and our projects and things that we love and we'll also be doing a what else and it gets to change for anyone who's interested so um, anyone who wants to know more information it is on Facebook and also it is if you want more information Song River has all that information and she can definitely hook you up so with that I'm going to say good night and you guys have a good weekend see you next week